Hey, what's up? And how are you? <laughs> Happy Friday, Ida Rodriguez. This is uh, Truth Serum, where we give it to you straight with no chaser. And Happy Friday. Happy Friday, no script. Um, today, I have a very special show. Um, every show is going to be special because the people who are on this show have been handpicked by me. Uh, they're the warriors. They go out every day and do the work. And we are going to have a very important conversation that needs to be had about socialism and capitalism, specifically when it comes to our communities, people of color. I mishandled information about socialism and capitalism every day. And uh, specifically socialism, we are driven by fear. We are always giving talking points that have to do with Cuba and uh, China and Russia. And we don't understand what socialism really means, the spectrum of that includes uh, these programs that actually benefit us all and how we live in a country where socialism benefits the top 1% and tends to be uh, a bad deal for the rest of us who work and those that are in the, the middle to lower classes. So uh, without further ado, um, Chloe Hilliard is here, Tim Black is here, Francesca uh, Fiorentini is here. Hey. And, um, what's up guys? Ladies. Hey. Welcome, welcome. Hey, how you doing? Glad to be here. You, you can all say hello on your Hi. own. <laughs> oh my gosh, thank you so much, Ida. I'm really happy to be here. I'm glad to be here too. You I'm know, so glad, I'm so, wait, Ida, I just want to say, I'm so glad that you're stepping into your own light, taking ownership of your voice and doing it your way. I love you so much. I love you back. And, and that's why you're here. I thank you for that. And you know what? I just don't want to seem, you know, for the sake of being polished, so many people want to be, uh, just want to appear. We're, we're so caught up with appearances right now that I, I'm just, I'm just going to give it to you straight the way that I am imperfect. I got a little stutter. Um, I just, I'm just working on giving the information to the people because they deserve it. Because we have been giving so much bad information. They've been dumbing down this country and everything that's happening now has been in play for a long time. And now those people that come from the places that I come from are suffering. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it is important for us, if we have the information, we should be, we should be giving it to it. And for all of those Christians who are always coming for me, the Bible says, buy the truth and don't sell it. So here we are giving the truth to the people and um, and I'm just I just want to get right into it. So um, neither racism nor public policy can account for any complex social phenomena. But as in income inequality grows and especially in a time of a global pandemic happening and on the heels of a presidential election, we decided to take a look at the two sides fighting to grab the White House in November. It may be a foregone conclusion that the socialist movement gaining momentum in this country has already lost the battle. Nevertheless, we'd like to discuss the impact it's made so far and what the future holds. And I, for one, do not believe that we lost the battle. I mean, I mean, lost the war. So we, we might have lost the battle, but we didn't lose the war. So to put it simply, as George Orwell said, to the ordinary working man, the sort you would meet in any pub on a Saturday night, socialism does not mean much more than better wages and shorter hours and nobody bossing you about. So if you got a problem with that, <laughs> then you got a problem with me and apparently you got a problem with you too. Socialist movements in America were not meant to necessarily replace capitalism, but to ease the stronghold it has on the working class and to lessen its excesses and abuses. Quoting Supreme Court Justice Louis DeBrandis, we may have democracy or we may have wealth concentrated in the hands of a few, but we cannot have both. 
So some of the widely popular reforms enacted by the Democrats like Social Security and Medicare are rooted in socialism and they were initially decried as such. You won't find many of those worried about government welfare willing to, to part with their Medicaid. Try to take away any social program in Mississippi or South Carolina and you'll see what happens. So um, I really wanna just get into it because when it comes to people of color, African-Americans, in particular, in this country, socialism has roots in liberation from imp imprisonment, slavery, and oppression. And so I want to open it up to my panel so that we can talk about this from just the, the most authentic place. Um, I, I, I just, I hate scripts, which is why I struggle in the script. But I just think uh, authentic conversation is so important right now. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about it. So I'm, I'm going to open it up with each of each of you, tell our viewers and our listeners what socialism means to you. Mm. We'll start with you, Chloe. Um, for me, I would say socialism means very basically, honestly, just giving a fuck about your neighbor and wanting them to have everything that you feel that you deserve that you have. And a lot of times we can't overcome that because we have systemic racism. So it, it's almost anti-American to want everybody to be on equal footing because this country was created with people stepping on the backs of black and brown people. Tim? I agree. Uh, <clears throat> I believe that socialism is just a construct where people would uh, have ownership in their own country, where things wouldn't all be controlled by the corporations. I think that where we are now, uh, everything must evolve eventually or everyone just eats everyone. And I think that's kind of where we are now. So socialism to me is a society working together to make sure everybody can eat and everybody can live indoors. And that's what we need to move to. And those who, uh, I think there's just some people who believe uh, differently because they watch a lot of TV and they think uh, the way to go about life is to, to own as much toys as possible. Mm -hmm. Francesca. Yeah. I mean this, I love how, immediately you're just going for the jugular Ida and I agree like we need to have these conversations and I mean to me I've spent a lot of time uh, talking about what socialism isn't and so I think it's really important for us to like debunk a lot of those myths about like it's not you know Khmer Rouge and it's not you know death camps and it's not re-education camps although you know I think college should be free and if you want to call that re-education so be it um but I do think that um, socialism is like democracy for the economy. In fact, I think a lot of people would argue you can't have a real democracy if the economy isn't democratic. So if it's being run by a handful of corporations, it's be if it's being run by a handful of oligarchs, um, how can we actually be living in a democracy um, unless the economy actually works for all people? So we, we're having this conversation about socialism. As a Latina woman, one of the things that triggers Cubans is this, they, they, this triggers Cubans because they think about communism in Cuba. And so a lot of Latinos are driven away from the candidates that speak about these socialist programs because it's reminiscent of people standing in line in Cuba for a loaf of bread, mm -hmm. as opposed to what we're talking about that I, I, I don't understand how it's become okay for people to take pride into being in being in debt and in acquiring all of this debt when you go to college there's pride in that especially in my community we want to pay our student loans we don't want a handout we don't want um, a stimulus package we work so there's a lot of a lot of preying on people's insecurities and issues cultural issues that we carry 
And so what would you say to someone uh, that is in these marginalized groups with regards to education and healthcare, how that doesn't make you lazy. It doesn't make you, it doesn't mean that you don't want to do your part in a society. It is right for us to have that, that it is wrong for us to graduate from college and be in extreme debt. And I, what are the, what's the word, what are the words that you would give to them? And in, in a way that they can digest it, because this is a, the misinformation that we have to unpack and we have to combat every day. Yeah, absolutely. I think that we have so long misconstrued a handout versus human basic rights. And it boggles my mind where we have this conversation about what you should have as a citizen versus what is considered a handout. And a lot of times what we consider a handout is what we should have. Like we should have access to healthcare. We should have access to education. We should have access to quality foods in our communities. Like it shouldn't take a lobbyist buying a politician for us to get a Whole Foods in the hood. But that <laughs> is the system that we subscribe to. And we just idealize capitalism and wealth way too much, especially in the black and brown community because that is a marker of success. And we don't realize that there's so many like shadow figures behind that success to make it happen. And so many people whose livelihoods are jeopardized to make one person wealthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just to add on to that, I'd say that there are a lot of people who see that uh, they look at it like a socialism would be a handout, as you just pointed out, Chloe. Yeah. But they also it's kind of worse than that because they watch a lot of TV and a lot of movies and they think that, well, traditionally, Americans believe we got to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We got to go out there and conquer it. We got to go out and create something from nothing. And the reality is, even if you buy into that premise, the problem is the corporations have been uh, predominantly the ones getting richer as we get poorer and poorer. I mean, the average worker hasn't had a raise, a real functional raise, Mm -hmm. considering inflation in the last 30 years. So the game is rigged against you, even if you believe hard work is what pays off. I mean, this is a country where we had children working in sweatshops, losing limbs. And it took what's called a workers, a workers march, a workers uh, unionizing in order to fight back to get workers' rights. I mean, capitalism just continued to strip people. Of course, we can go back to slavery. We can talk about Jim Crow. We can talk about all these instances. But at the end of the day, guys, it's not people. People have been mind fucked to the point where they are working against themselves. Like they, yeah. they, they, you know, and, and to unravel that, you have to tell them some hard truths. What I call it is sprinkle some facts on them. Give them like one thing. And say, hey, when was the last time you do you think you got a raise? You may look like it on your check, but if you go back, you really didn't. And maybe you should look into that. And I'll talk to you later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's all it's that mentality that we have. Like, you know, I'm not a millionaire yet, mm. but I'm gonna get there. And it's like, sorry, yeah, most of us. Yeah. All of the people we know, we're not going to be millionaires and we're not on the cusp of being a millionaire. And again, it's this internalized self-hatred of working class people, but also uh, glorification, you know, of of millionaires and of of wealth. And exactly what Tim was saying, like we forget just how American socialism is. Right. We have an eight hour workday. We have a weekend because of socialists. Right. In the 30s and fighting for our rights in the early or before the 30s. Right. But they didn't actually pass uh, reforms until then. Haymarket Square riots. That's what May 1st was about, which is the International Workers Day And the only place that doesn't celebrate May 1st is in the U.S. because they have deliberately erased our own history so that we don't remember that actually we have a very rich history of workers rising up, demanding their rights. 
You know what, Tim, is funny because the first book that I read to completion was The Jungle. And I was like uh, nine years old and that book traumatized me. <laughs> I remember because, you know, I, I learned, uh, I spoke Spanish first and I learned English uh, watching television or whatever. But I remember reading The Jungle because I started reading everything because my teacher was like, you want to get out of here? She was my Debbie Allen. The way you get out of here is reading. It wasn't dancing. So I started reading everything. And when I read that book, I was just like, whoa, this country is evil. Like, yes. I was, you know what I mean? I was just like, to do that, you watch the Hunger Games and people are appalled, but we have a history of the Hunger Games that's real in this, the richest country on the planet. And I can look under underneath the freeway right here and see about 50 homeless people that are struggling. And a great percentage of those people went overseas and fought for this country's freedoms. And they still can't even get a, a proper treatment at the VA. So I, I do want to make sure that when we have these conversations that we do not ignore the realities of people of color because mm -hmm. that's that's my focus. Because I think a lot of times when we have these conversations, a lot of people ride on the backs of people of color, specifically black people, which I'm not afraid to say, is that we they ride we ride on the movements of black people. And then when it's time for black people to need us, we don't, we turn our backs. And and it's important to have these conversations because this is the reason why there's such an imbalance in this country. So uh, from uh, Ava DuVernay's documentary uh, 13th, it was said, until today, liberation fails to fully come to fruition as society continues to perpetuate the evils of slavery. Through the war on drugs, the, indus the industrial prison complex, and other systems of racial control. And I think that when we talk about these things, we... I am, I'm done having conversations. I don't know where you are online. I'm done having conversations with people who don't have a grasp on any form of information and humanity, the two mm -hmm. components. Cause you can be dumb and have a good soul and I can rock with you, right? But I can't rock with evil, right? Because when we talk about black people in America, we're so, we don't want to have the conversations. There's no way we're going to make progress until we have the conversations. Mm -hmm. I really want to talk about socialism in direct it, it direct uh, directly when it comes to African Americans in America, because I had so many black people tell me, "You take that communist shit back to Cuba," and I'm like, "But I'm Puerto Rican and Dominican." No, <laughs> that's so funny. That's so funny you say that, Ida, because I went to Cuba and I went to Cuba after Obama lifted the embargo. And let me tell you something: African Americans were going to Cuba like it was the promised land. I could not turn a corner without seeing massive groups of like black travel groups. And I don't I don't like to travel with groups. So it, they were very noticeable when you can see like everybody's wearing a t-shirt and got the camera out. And it was so interesting because almost everybody that I spoke to, a black person who went to Cuba after the embargo was lifted, came back with this like romanticism about the country. And they were like, see, they all getting along and all the black and brown people are getting together and we should have that here. And I was like, you completely glossed over how they got to the point, which was the brutality of communism and a, and a violent takeover. So you can't just skip over 60 years to be like, look, they're in the street having fun. It's like, you, we have to understand all of the, the, all of the like increments of power that got to the place where Cuba is today. And if you talk to real Cubans who are there, they'd be like, yeah, this is not what it looks like. Yes, we all have healthcare, but wealth still plays a factor in the type of treatment that you receive here. But we don't hear that. We hear like everybody's treated like a human being despite their color. And so I think we as African-Americans need to understand a little bit more about what 
it's happening in the political climates around the world and how it impacts black, brown people specifically. I just want to jump in. I don't mean to um, contradict that at all. I I also went when the embargo was lifted to Cuba and it was incredible. Um, you know, and I definitely, there's a lot to critique about the Castro administration and the revolution, mm-hmm. but I do know that two of the campaigns that I most admire, right, as Obama said as well, and Bernie Sanders said it, but then he got hammered for it, was, you know, the programs of literacy and then the programs of anti-racism, like deliberate anti-racist programs, whereas before under Batista and others, like there was a lot more racial tension and hatred and and then through a specific like educational program um it's not been unlearned but like attempting to do that and so i i almost see that as like a bright spot in the cuban revolution we don't have to get into it and like completely go but like it is a an example of like hey maybe racism can actually be both unlearned in school but also structurally dismantled oh no i no i agree i absolutely do agree but but in america we see that the powers that be will never allow us to have an intellectual conversation and philosophical change over a philosophy. And that's never going to happen. It has to be war, bloodshed, mm. people fleeing in debt, people acquiring and hacking billionaires' accounts. Like it's never right. going to be like, let's come to the table, black and brown people, and figure out how we fucked up. Like that's never going to happen. Here. Chloe's been trying to set this bitch on fire since I met her. <laughs> <laughs> What's um, that I, saying? Power consists nothing without a demand, right? That's right. Is that what you're talking about? So we got to yeah. go take it or or not, just going to ignore it and bury us under fake news headlines? I I, I was doing some research. I'm going to be honest, guys. I'm trying to get up to speed to where you are. But what I've uh, come to understand is that radically to, to make this shift towards socialism, there's a stop at communism. And then that's sort of like people kind of demanding like workers' rights. That's always like the fundamental driver. Like, hey, we're getting screwed by the corporations. Uh, all the way, you know, we need to somehow get rights for workers individually so that we are not just slave way, slave workers or whatever. And then that kind of leads way to socialism. Uh, not to belabor the point, is that sort of how Cuba went through the progression or was it different? Go ahead, Francesca. I mean, from what I understand about the Cuban revolution, it wasn't, they weren't actually explicitly communist at all. Okay. Um, and, and in fact, you know, that was sort of like the card under Fidel's, you know, you know, up his sleeve, like, guess what? We believe in egalitarianism. And uh, the difference between, I think, communism, communism and socialism, from my understanding, is that socialism is a little, you can have more of a mixed economy. So there can be more private enterprises, whereas in Cuba, that was not allowed, has not been allowed. Um, so you have Scandinavian countries like Denmark and Sweden, et cetera, et cetera, always as those examples of having like a strong social social safety net, mm-hmm. but with also private, you know, there's banks and stuff, obviously, and, and they're also losing a lot of ground. And then communism is a little even more extreme. So like, mm-hmm. uh, again, super top down, um, regimented government, full government Everything control. Everything owned by the government. Mm-hmm. People don't own their own businesses. Everything goes right. back to the state. So it's been interesting because I've been thinking about China right now and you see China is like the, it's essentially the worst of both worlds and I don't mean, I'm not trying to jump on the like Trumpian anti-Asian, you know, uh, I am China. Chinese like, right, like mm-hmm. the, the anti-Asian-ness about it, but it is like this state-run capitalism. So it's like nobody has a say and it's super capitalist, but you're going to get maybe like a test for your, for COVID-19, you know? So it's like, you know, they don't want people to totally die, but they're not going to like 
there's no workers' rights. Do you know what I'm saying? Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Ida, look, Ida, I didn't mean to hijack. It's just that no, no, for no, people no, no, dumb no. like me, I just want to make yeah. sure they walk away learning yeah. something um, from, you, from you smart ladies. That's all. This is what this is for. This is, this, is, yeah. is what this is for. This is so that we can have these conversations because you don't, you don't ever see these conversations being had by yeah. people that look like us. It, it's always, you know, a slither of it. And then we look, uh, you know, crazy. Mm. But I, I really do want to talk about socialism from this perspective, because I remember when we could have a conversation about things and be uh, semi-objective and be able to look at other sides. But now you can't do that. You can't celebrate that the fact that children in Cuba learn algebra when they're like in fourth grade and here they learn it in, in high school. Because right. if you say that, then you're anti-American. And so I, what's what do you guys have to say about that? How now we can't even have a nuanced conversation about things because everything is so extreme. You're mm -hmm. either on one side or the other. And there are benefits to that. There, I don't know if you saw the news stories, but I saw Cuban doctors getting on airplanes going all over the world. Going to Italy. Yeah. yeah. So when, when we talk about that, we can't even yeah. say that there are some benefits to some of uh, some of this, but we can't. We, we have to say that this is the best and look at as for us, the people who are here, is it the best for us? Mm -hmm. It is. It is interesting because having been to Cuba, it definitely opened my eyes to um, kind of like the cult of personality and, and the cult of a nation, which is you put the country before everything else. And being American and watching just like their level of patriotism that they have, we kind of be like, oh, this is fanatical. But then here in America, we have the same level of fanatical patriotism with all these people who are protesting to open back up their state so that they can get a haircut and go to the beach. And so what happens is when you actually interact with people who are from those countries that we've heard these big bad stories about, you kind of understand the nuance and you understand that it's not as it's, it's not as uh, soul crushing or as inhumane as we have been taught, like, oh, they have no rights and they don't do anything and blah, blah, blah. Like it, it balanced out. There definitely was some traumatic times in Cuba and it's kind of like balanced out. There's still problems as were everywhere else. But when you look at us, we don't even want to acknowledge that we were duped and oppressed the same way other peoples in other countries have been because we always live up to this fantasy that America is the greatest place in the world. And it's not. And so in order for us to have the conversation about socialism, you have to tell the people who are privileged, it's time for you to share your pie. You have to tell the people who support the people who are privileged, your God is a false God. And you have to tell the people who are poor, help is on the way, don't give up. And so that's such a long loaded conversation. It's like, well, who's gonna, who's gonna pull the trigger first? And no one wants to pull the trigger. Yeah, I mean, I would just say I think it's also ridiculous um, the ways that we're taught that suddenly if you have universal health care, right, like I mean like Medicare for all type, um, that you're Cuba. That's just not that's not a reality. Mm -hmm. That's not true. And our democracy doesn't go out the window because we have health care for all. And I've been taking this time in quarantine to read W.E.B. Du Bois. And I'm like, my mind is getting blown. Uh, I'm reading about uh, his book, The Black Reconstruction. And he's a socialist, right? And he lays out this wonderful argument. And I think a lot of, you know, um, black leaders have have taken up this mantle and, and very much understand this. But I think for someone who's half white, whatever, like privilege, like I don't didn't understand this very much. But the ways in which um, our social safety net in the U.S. has been kept down specifically to keep African-Americans from accessing better education, better health care. Uh, and privileges and rights. So like suddenly in the South, when a slavery was abolished and there was like, okay, we're going to do this reconstruction. The reconstruction didn't last for very long because essentially it was like, 
it was a very comp it's more complicated than this but it's like oh no true egalitarianism means we have to invest in these public services that are going to help a lot of black people and we can't have that we'd rather divide and conquer pitting poor whites against poor blacks and you know and 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 you see in like Ronald Reagan's advisor, Lee Harvey, uh, not Lee Harvey Oswald, uh, Lee Atwater, same Lee. Um, you know, he said, he's like, first you say the N-word, 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 and then you can't say the N-word anymore because they'll call you on your racism. So instead, we talk about busing. And instead, we talk about all these other policies about how, no, 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 we shouldn't have affirmative action or no, we shouldn't have, you know, uh, public schools or yes, we should keep private. And it's essentially the same way to disenfranchise and disempower the black community, but you don't have to actually name it. Yeah. And yeah, also, sorry. Yeah, I think that... um. With, with the black community specifically when it comes to socialism and kind of waking their eyes up to what's happening, I just tell, tell them that corporations already have it. Corporations get bailouts. Corporations get the hookup. I never heard, like I, I hear from older black people, you know, all the time. I grew up with it here and, you know, we need to do for ourselves and, and we, you know, we can't be asking people for stuff. But I never saw Boeing get back a check Ever. They never return it. And, and, and right now, what's going on with COVID-19, the perfect example. I mean, corporations that are they're sending money back and saying, my bad, but they took the money to begin with. They yeah. didn't have to take the money to begin with. So that's the reality of it. And, and if we look at in the past, in the past where uh, we were fighting for our equal rights, I'm the first black male in my family to be able to sit on a bus where I want. Okay, that's that's the reality of where we are in the United States. So we're just getting started. You think we'd be smart enough to say we could take a little bit from socialist tent, take a little bit from the capitalist tent and make a better society. But we have people that just buy into propaganda. I blame the media, y'all. Not us. You and Donald Trump. You know, the media that lies and put these, these falsehoods in people's minds to control them. That's why what Francesca does is so important. Same thing with you, Chloe, and you either you stepping into it. This is this is why we do what we do to get make sure people come educated so they realize that these lies are being perpetuated. I mean, and we can go on and on. I could I could talk about this for hours, but I just yeah. say, look, if, if we continue to spread spread the, the truth about what's happening with socialism, what it really means and that if you got a police force, you got socialism. If you have a fire department, you have socialism. That's yeah. what socialism is in its purest form. And that's what we need to elevate in this The post moment. office. Yeah. Right? See, we say, we say it in arguments, like, you know, how many videos have you seen when someone's having a confrontation with the police and they say, you work for me? It's like, so we understand the concept. Right. We just don't have the power and infrastructure in place to back up the statement and actually like, you know, change the power shift. And I think the whole big thing, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead, but I do think that we can have all of these things that we're talking about. And I do believe it will come in the form of reforming Amazon and Jeff Bezos having an answer for being a trillionaire because there's so many people across the country who have worked for this company who can attest to how bad the conditions are. And while he's being celebrated, they're actually finding their voice and being amplified and saying, no, 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 no. We're treated like indentured servants and almost like enslaved people. You're working 10 to 14 hour shifts. You get a half hour lunch break, two 15 minute breaks. By the time you walk across the warehouse to pee, your break is over. So it's like we need to start really exposing all of the trauma that's causing this great achievement of great wealth. 
Yeah, I'm looking at some of the comments and Patrick Northern said media is a corporation. And I, I want to say, yes, it is. And a lot of these shows are reality shows. Like when you're watching Sean Hannity, you're not watching a journalist, you're watching a TV personality. And you have to understand the difference between the two, because those are the people that are giving you information and the people who are misleading you because they are also getting checks from the corporations that are driving all of us. And it goes all the way up. And we don't understand that, mm -hmm. you know, look yeah. at all the stuff that happened with the election. So with all due respect, you and I have talked about it. I said, I'm cool with all the celebrities uh, jumping in now that want to say, hey, guys, you guys need to do this for your vote and you need to do that. Where were you? You know, because I, I got a, I, I came under a lot of fire for supporting Bernie Sanders because I was told I kept being accused of, of, of supporting Bernie Sanders and Bernie Sanders as being anti-black. And then all of a sudden, Elizabeth Warren, who was getting checks, was is became, you know, like the person that they said would had had the, the greatest agenda when it came to black people. And I was just like, well, I, I didn't I, did, I I am so anti a person who collects checks that I can't. I can't believe that you can take checks from corporations and be pro-black people unless you're telling those corporations to participate in the reparations to the black people. Mm -hmm. You built a lot of your wealth on the backs of them. So mm -hmm. I just think that the socialism conversation in this country has been hijacked so much by the wrong people that we have to break this down. We have to unpack it. Yeah. Um, I want to I want to move forward because I do. We can't talk about socialism without talking about capitalism. But what I will say this: as a single mom who has been broke, who has been homeless, I can't tell you how pissed off I am about paying tax dollars, knowing that the senators and the representatives of my state can send their children to the best schools, have the best health care, while I'm paying I'm paying the money for their salary. <laughs> and my kids can't even, I had to take my kids to a public hospital because I don't I didn't have proper health care for them. Or so you get, or you get five hundred dollars for your kids. Yes. And so when you think about that, when, when people talk about how anti-socialism they are and they talk about how, you know, the, the way the system works in America, it's like, look, look at those those people like AOC is one of the pe few people who actually puts herself on the line and says, yo, my, the people in my community, we all got to eat. This, this this can't just be about me. And then there are those the squad, those women that are doing that. But when you look at everybody else. There's an, an abundance of politicians that we glamorize because they're people of color and they look like us and they're making they're doing delivering the talking points that we're emotionally moved by. But they don't give a damn about us as people, because if they did, they would not be taking money from Big Pharma, knowing mm -hmm. how much our black people and brown people are affected yeah. by the, the, the unbalance in the pharmaceutical game right now. I so, want to know. I want to know how how big do you think Van Jones check was? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. It's not just I know you, I know you said Sean Hannity, and I can't stand the guy, mm -hmm. but you know it, it's it's beyond Sean. Like I mean, Rachel oh, Maddow, she's getting that paper too. You know, yeah. it's on both sides of the paradigm, and 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 people look at they look at corporate media like the MSNBCs and CNN, like they're the left. That's not the left to me. Yeah. That's like the middle. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So, <clears throat> but um, yeah, as far as as far as the children, I just said made a good point about children and about um, this is a country where we will shelter a dog. So we got a homeless vet sleeping outside on the sidewalk. We'll take the dog to a shelter, leave a vet on the, on the street to freeze. Yeah. That's what we do here. Yeah. And if we, we change people's minds by letting them know how bad they're getting screwed. I mean, I, I can't stand COVID-19. I've lost, I've lost at least one friend that I know of from the disease personally. 
um, from the from the illness, the virus personally. But if God, we got to take this opportunity to wake white people up. <laughs> you can screw white people. You got to realize it. I think that some of these good old boys is out at those Capitol offices. <clears throat> if they realize how bad they're getting screwed, maybe they'll stop asking, can we get more rights to go to the beach? Maybe they'll start asking, hey, where my check at? And why mm -hmm. my check doesn't resemble the check you gave to the corporations? That'll yeah. be something we can get out of this COVID-19. So in 1892... Ida B. Wells said the appeal to the white man's pocket has never been more effectual than all appeals ever made to his conscience. <laughs> we live on, we, we, I laugh because, uh, well, we, Chloe and I were talking about how do you, how do you direct people to economically boycott when they still trying to survive and they can't leave their neighborhood because they don't have enough gas money to go to a store to, for people that look like them because their neighborhoods have been infiltrated by people who don't look like them, who have jacked up prices and you know so on and so forth. So I want to steer the conversation to capitalism because we are so proud to be a capitalistic country and we don't realize how toxic it is a society wrecking monster at this point that has really destroyed the, the, the fiber of what this country could be, not what it, it was, because it never it's it has. I don't know America to be ethical. I don't know if you do, but I, when I go back to the first thing, just be going on down. But I, I just think like when we talk about capitalism. It is defined as an economic and political system in which a country's trade and industry are controlled for profit by private or corporate owners rather than by the state or by the people whose time and labor powers those companies. Um, I want to open it up to you guys again, and I want you to define uh, what capitalism means to you and how we define it for the people so that they can understand what it really is, because just like socialism, it's been hijacked. And we don't really understand what it is doing to our country and to the average working man and woman. So go ahead, Francesca. <laughs> so you know what, Tib, you started talking. So go ahead. And then I know Francesca's not gonna forget what she has to say. She oh, I'm just gonna say I want to go first and get it out the way because I probably had a less least to say on it. Uh screw everybody, get as much stuff as you can and die with a whole bunch of toys. That's capitalism <laughs> to me. Uh. Die with toys. I love that. I mean, yeah, it's like we operate like we can take it with us. Like somehow in the afterlife, you know, yeah, if you have a PS4, it's still going to be there when you get wherever you're going. Like, no, it's not. Uh, I mean, I know. I think I know there's like an official definition, but I think it is a process of wealth generation, right? It's not about food. It's not about a roof over your head. It's not about family. It's not about anything else. It's a wealth generative system um, that generally makes wealth for a boss, right? And someone who is your employer. Um, and it is highly privatized. So that wealth, you have no say in what happens to that wealth. If I'm working at a factory like Amazon, I have no say in how that factory is run. So it's generating wealth for someone else and then relying on a wage um, in order to survive. Yeah. Um, I think the, the definition that I just gave for capitalism versus what we're told is capitalism are two completely different things. Um, the power has kind of risen to the top and is being controlled by small groups or families or entities, conglomerates, and it hasn't had the trickle down effect that we've been 
sold a bill of sales about. And I think in order for us to understand why capitalism doesn't work is because when you look at America and the, the motto of America has been the American dream. If you if you dream it, it can happen. There's no holds bars. But we know that that's not true because we all don't start at the same starting line. And some people have, you know, a cheat code and all that other stuff. And then also, even when you think about just like the expansion of America, it was called Manifest Destiny. And what you really think about Manifest Destiny is being like, it is my right to take whatever the fuck I want to take at, at someone else's loss. And so when you have that mentality of entitlement, it's hard to have a true capitalistic society because someone is always going to be stabbing someone in the back. And mm-hmm. that it's been and that has been applauded as like, oh, you're a, you're a shrewd business person because you know how to lie, steal and cheat. And it's like that's not what capitalism was intended to be. I think that's a really sorry to jump in, Chloe. I just feel like that's a really good point because. I think I always go to Chomsky on this whenever like, you know, he talks about free trade and all this. He always says, you know, free trade isn't free. Like none of these corporations and all the the, the ones we're supposed to worship and we're supposed to, you know, wow, you're so entrepreneurial. Like a lot of them have gotten where they've got they've gotten, like you're saying, through cheating, through lobbying, through tax breaks, through subsidies. And so the amount that these markets um, that we rely on um, are actually overinflated by the government, by our tax dollars. So what they can turn around and not give us PPE when we're working, you know, in a factory, whatever, like, like, so the idea that it's truly free and that we have a perfectly capitalist system now is not, is not real. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. CG film said we haven't had capitalism for a minute. What we have now is socialism for elites. Mm-hmm. And what, what I want to make sure that I, that I, um, that I do talk about and touch on is that fact that those of us who come from immigrant families, what capitalism and the idea of capitalism means to us. Now, when you're talking to people who get on rafts, who walk from, you know, people walk here from Guatemala. I don't, I don't know. I've never met somebody who walked from a country to another country, never, unless they were in Israel and they're on the border. But I've never met someone who walked from Guatemala to Mexico to the United States of America. So that means that the the conditions of where you are. So, and listen, this is, this is, these conversations uh, unravel other things because when you talk about immigration and you start talking about these things, people start saying, well, stay in your country. Let's not forget that the capitalism in America has destabilized the governments in so many other countries. And that's why people strap babies to their backs and walk through different countries to get here. So now when we're talking about capitalism, you're talking about people like my grandmother who came here looking for a dream because she was told that in and she came from Puerto Rico, which is allegedly America. Right. She came from Puerto Rico and told that was told that if she came here, her life would be better. She would have more opportunities. And you multiply that by all of the people that come here from all over the world, because what we're not going to do on Truth Serum is give immigration a brown name and forget that people migrate here from all over the world, including Asia and Eastern Europe, where they come here and commit crimes just like everybody else. because And, they have, and have true anchor babies, like they legit you have, there, have a baby and then fly back. <laughs> Absolutely. So we, we're not going to do that here because this is the problem with media and why the information is being improper, improperly fed to the people. But when you talk about capitalism and the dream that is fed to people who come here, who risk their lives and their well-being to come here, it's because they believe in this dream that is not real. Mm-hmm. And it has been so uh, it has been sprinkled about the world in a way where we've walked around saying that this is the best country on earth. Yet and still, like Tim said earlier, 
veterans that come back from fighting for our liberties can't even go get a, a test for COVID-19 right now, right? Because they can't even have breakfast, lunch, or dinner, let alone a decent physical exam. So when we talk about capitalism and what it has become and not in its by its purest form, what we have done to pollute it so that it could benefit the rich and the greedy and people who want to create generational wealth so that they can keep people like yeah. us down. That's what we're dealing with, right? Yeah. And I think I think when we when we us common folks talk about capitalism, we're understanding it from like a supply and demand standpoint. It's like if I have a good and I sell it, I make profit off that good. And that is a simplistic version of capitalism. I think that's what we need to get, get back to. But when you think about it in the grand scheme of like corporate capitalism, it's so many stops along the way. And each person is taking a little piece off of that money. By the time it gets to the person it's intended for, there's nothing left. And so that's the major problem. If you even look at the situation with COVID and we're trying to get state supplies, the government you know, handed that process out to third parties and now states have to bid for supplies that were intended for their use anyway. And so that is just people are constantly skimming off the top and they need to be exposed. And I actually thought about this last night when I was watching, like, watching headlines and, and news clips. And it's like, you know what? All of this had to happen because if he wasn't elected, we, the people, would not know who the crooks are because they're testifying, they're on camera, they're giving interviews, they're giving statements, their pictures are everywhere, they're being exposed. So now we know who to go after because we would not have known if he had not been in office. Oh, that's that's on point. I, I, that was the argument a lot of people made and they were vilified for it. The fact that we go to sleep when we got a Democrat in office because the media by and large won't report anything and it'll just be Fox mm -hmm. and Fox, we just say, yeah, Fox hates the blacks. So... <laughs> We could just ignore everything Fox has to say. Right. But capitalism in the idea form, like, I agree with you, Ida. <clears throat> it, it sounds good. <laughs> Come here, work your ass off, build something. Anybody could do it. But in reality, when you get here and you realize, that I don't know the immigrant situation, but I know the black situation, it is a lot harder than you think. The institutional barriers that we face from just, I mean, just imagine coming to the country, can't speak the language. Then you got racism on top of it. And don't be a dog skit immigrant. Oh my God, they just lump you in with black and treat you like black folks. And now you're disenfranchised doubly with language mm -hmm. and with the color barrier. So the capitalism, the promise of capitalism uh, is definitely falling short. And, and now we're left with is what we say like an operation and what it looks like to me is just an exchange of goods and that includes human trafficking as well so it's, it's Listen, a disgusting thing uh, sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but this is the thing that pisses me off though because you have the people who are benefiting greatly from capitalism telling immigrants right and telling black people they're taking it away from you right the, those immigrants are coming here and taking the scraps that we're giving you away from you and then telling telling the latinos like they're lazy and they're violent and they're telling the other immigrants that come here they don't want to do anything they're all they do they're violent they're criminals and so now we're having this this internal war with each other because the truth is that some people come here from other countries and they do practice anti-blackness because they've been giving so much bad information mm -hmm. about black people in america we're not going to lie and tell those lies here either so there you you have all of these people fighting for this dream and all of their all that we're fighting for is scraps because they are taking everything yeah. they're eating at the table and they're throwing the scraps and then they're telling us look who's trying to take your scraps mm -hmm. right exactly and again pitting people against one another which is perfectly what 
plutocrats, oligarchs do. I mean, you guys are all hinting on it, but I think we should just name it. Capitalism has been based on colonialism, empire, and slavery. Like, that's its roots. That's why reparations matter, right? As Ida was saying, like, the amount of wealth that enslaved uh, Black Americans created for, you know, plantation owners and the North and everybody, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, I think, and in terms of Latin America, what's so interesting is that there's been so many waves of capitalist exploitation. First, it's an actual colonialism, conquering, um, looting all the silver out of Bolivia, one of the now the poorest countries in South America. Yeah. Um, but then there was a resurgence in the 90s where it was like capitalists came back and they were like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to privatize everything. We're going to privatize your road signs. We're going to privatize your roads. We're going to privatize your water. This is going to be great. And then it all fell on its ass. Like it completely collapsed. The inequality was through the roof and all the capitalists, they got on their helicopters and literally flew away. And so since the nineties actually, and that's what we call like the pink wave in Latin America. And it, it has been rolled back with some very hard right wingers like Bolsonaro and Brazil and such. But like, I actually think, and I think Cuba's the exception, but I think in a lot of places in Latin America, there is a very strong understanding of what, capitalists will do to your country, why it's important to have a nationalism that isn't ugly and, and xenophobic, but is about like national industry and pride and, you know, um, create making something that stays in this country or that's for your fellow countrymen. Mm. And I, I love to think that a lot of those Latinos bring that knowledge mm. and that history of struggle um, into the States if and when they migrate. Yeah. They don't yeah. forget what's happened to their country and then they bring that struggle here. Yeah, I, I think a, a large part of that, because I, I try to figure it out, I try to try to ask myself, like, why are we in the situation here in America? And it's because we are a mutt country. We are a country mixed of uh, foreigners, of of criminals, like when you think about like who first arrived here, it was like they were they were not the cream of the crop people who got here. I'm not talking about enslaved people. Religious zealots. Like, <laughs> religious zealots. Like just think about like the, like the Puritans, the Pilgrims were like nut jobs who nobody wanted to fuck with, and they was like get out of here. And they was like let's go on a boat and like be weird somewhere else. Like they were the weirdos that nobody wanted around. And so when you have all of this like you know energy that is in woven into the fabric of this country it's always going to be off until we can all truly find a real idea of what nationalism is for this new America. And I think when you look at uh, black and brown countries, when you think about Africa, when you think about South America, what they have, which we don't have, is that they have a sense of, of tribalism and community. They have a, a, long, a long oral history, a long written history of who they were before. And we don't know who we were before because we started as a result of all of these different people coming here with slavery and imperialism. And so we don't know, we don't really know who we are. It's like, we're a mixed baby in 1972 before you call somebody a mixed baby. I don't know what that is. We're lost. <laughs> so uh, in 1909, George W. Woodby said, Negroes are yet under the impression that the accumulation of wealth is in the hands of a few Negroes and that will solve the problem. Notwithstanding the fact that a few white men have all the wealth and the rest of their brothers are getting poorer every day. So I, you know, here in the United States, poverty rates hold steady over past decades, despite increase in productivity and massive wealth growth. Even before 2020 and COVID-19, which we are at the beginning of, the growth in income in recent decades has tilted to upper income households while the middle class continues to shrink. 
So I was uh, the gaps in, in, in income between upper income and middle and lower income households are rising. And the share held by middle income households is falling. So when we talk about, the, when we look at these people protesting and fighting, and like, I understand the angst of the people who want to get back to work because that is just, the they are just operating from survival because we've been indoctrinated to operate from survival. While they thrive, they got us thinking, we got to figure it out how we're going to make it another day. We're going to work 40 to 60 hours for these people who are chilling on yachts and we got to still figure out how we're going to make it to the doctor, if our kids are going to be able to get to school, blah, 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 blah. So I wanted to just make sure that we we talked about this because one of the talking points from this administration and every administration before it, because mind you, this is not a this is not a push for the Democrats or a push for the Republicans or for or against, because I think that they all need a we all need a wash when it comes to these political parties. They have been corrupted to the core. And when I talk about this, I'm basically always coming from the perspective of the people. Because when we talk about this, we, we get so everything's been politicized to the point where we can't even have a real conversation anymore. Because when we start talking about shit, people are like, what the Democrats and the Republicans? And don't tell me who freed the slaves anymore, because that was not a, a, a moment of humanity. It was not a moment of, you know, a decency. It was an economic decision. Right. It was all political and economics. It was never about the human beings. But just think about when you think about if you had a company. And, and for 400 years, that company was able to operate without paying its employees for 400 years. Wow. And when I, the corporation that I'm talking about is America because America's just become a real big corporation. How could how could you not be ahead of the game? Mm -hmm. Can you imagine that? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you are ahead of the game and you'll stay ahead of the game. And then you'll and then you'll tell people <clears throat> the reason why they're not successful is their own fault. They're doing something wrong. They're not working hard enough for. Mm -hmm. If you just had more, you know, if you just if you just tried harder, and you if you just pulled your pants up, if you just you know if you just stopped listening to the you know the little Wayne or what or whatever who's uh, right. uh, uh, funny bunny. What's his name, bunny? If you stop listening to bunny, you'll be okay. So um, that's sort of the propaganda portion I was talking about earlier. Man, I tell you, if white folks and black folks, Latino folks, Asian folks, Native American folks ever woke up and realized there's the one percent that's screwing them, that that right there would be the reckoning. That would be the end of all of this. That's yeah. what I believe. I do think that that COVID nineteen is going to be an equalizer. It is going to be the thing that opens up a lot of people's eyes because now it's it's it went from the coast and it's going into the red states, and now you're going to have all these people who thought they had job security, who thought they had good health insurance, who thought that, you know, their infrastructure was good. It was, you know, keeping out the Mexicans. So that's why they can live lavishly in their, you know, 1.5 acre house. Once they start getting sick and really seeing how this country is not prepared to take care of its people, hopefully they will wake up, but they'll still find another scapegoat, which is the whole point of white privilege and entitlement and racism. It'll say, oh, well, we didn't have enough ICU beds here in my little tiny town because, you know, black people are on welfare in Chicago. Like they'll yeah. figure out a way. They'll figure out a way. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think we have a huge, huge fight ahead of us, right? Because I, I do see some two roads emerging very clearly, right? It's either a 
and I think we're seeing that now, which is really sad, like a weaponization and a further brutalization of this path of like, lift yourself up by the bootstraps. Oh, I'm sorry. $1,200 not good enough for you. Deal with it. Oh, I'm sorry. You, you need to go back to work because you know, you don't have paid sick leave deal with it. That in the extreme. And Oh, by the way, there's more debt now. Um, and that's your fault working people. That's not the fault of the millionaires who are getting tax breaks straight up off of this stimulus budget. Um, so y'all have to deal with that. So that's one path. And I think the other path is what I hope, cause I'm an eternal optimist, uh, which is workers, uh, and people of color and, and white folks like joining together and actually having more of a class consciousness and seeing that these demands we're making are not, if they're socialist, so be it. Maybe we need a little bit of that, but they are base. They're about basic human rights and basic dignity, and that fight is so so huge. We can't afford to sit it out, no matter how you yeah. feel about this election. Man, I want to get into a better position because I feel like we're on our heels right now. We need to. We also need to rebrand it because people's ears perk up when they hear socialism or fascism. We need to rebrand it, just like how people didn't want Obamacare because it had Obama in it, and then you told them it was affordable here, and they were like, "Oh, that's what you were talking about." I want it. <laughs> we need to change the language because people have been programmed to be anti. You know, to be anti when they hear these words. So we just got to call it something simple, like everyone eats. <laughs> or like, like, how can you argue about everyone eating? A Just chicken in every pot, right? Right, that's right. Everybody wants chicken. Somehow in every Republicans pot. will find a way. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? The the problem the problem that I'm seeing is that we're letting the media drive the conversation once again. So like, I know I've seen it. I'm sure you have too. Where they have this one uh, white woman who's mad because she can't get her hair done, and that becomes the focus of the protest. But in reality, guys, I'm telling you, that's a very small percentage of the people. Of course, we got some idiots that are, you know, you know, I want to go to the movies. I want to go to the bar and someone to call for me. Like, there are people who, you know, are dumb. But most people, man, they a lot of people are not getting unemployment checks. A lot of small businesses are going under right now. Yeah. And even, look, even if they reopen some of them, at only 25% capacity. They're not even going to be able to make it yeah. even if you're reopening them with that small amount of patronage. So, the media is making it seem like, and I think a lot of black folks and Latino, a lot of us are looking at the white folks going, these people are idiots, but it's all of a side, sort of like they're showing black kids who are getting checks going out and buy Jordans. Mm -hmm. So they're doing it on the other side. We're just not seeing it because we're not watching it. So we're all getting played simultaneously. Meanwhile, you know who's sitting good. Yeah. yeah. And I just, uh, I just wanted to say like, I, I, I'm a former journalist. And so I can tell you what happens in the newsroom, which is a journalist finds a story that they feel is newsworthy. They'll present it to their editor and the editor may say, yes, do it or don't do it. And and even above that editor is a publisher or the, the big wigs. And they'll say, we can't run that story because we just signed a contract with that company who's going to give us advertising dollars. So we got to kill that story. Right. And so that does happen. I knew lot. it. I knew it. Does it. Happen a lot, but so that's so that's one aspect of it, which is you don't want to compromise your income because newspapers are dying and media is dying. You know, media is dying. We aren't we aren't digesting it the same way. So that is one issue, which is a conflict of interest that that happens a lot. But the other aspect, which we're which we're dealing with when it comes to this particular presidential administration, is that for as long as we've been around, we've always given the president the benefit of the doubt that he's a smart person. And so there's a lot of things that you let slide because it's like, I don't want to say that the emperor doesn't have any clothes on. And for the most part, most presidents were more intelligent than they were dumb. So you didn't have to do a lot of, we don't know what the fuck you're talking about. But now everybody in this administration is dumbing in a box of rocks 
And mm -hmm. if you were to constantly call them out, then people will look at you like, well, why did you fall for this? If you're the media. Why did you let him go so long without un, without checking him? And then you have to explain yourself like, oh, we let a lot of stuff slide because that's just because it was good TV. Yeah, because it's good TV, and we can be the sacrificial lambs. Immigrants can be the sacrificial lambs. Mm -hmm. But that's that's why I'm just worried. Like it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cover him to a certain point, but when are you actually talking about real issues? I mean, and we have to, again, we have to be the ones to actually talk about issues, people, how they're surviving or not, you know? So I'm, I'm tired of like them. They know, they know he's good for ratings. They yeah. still know he's four years later. They're, they're playing this, they're running the same playbook. And I, mm, I'm scared. Yeah. And they don't, and they don't want to call him all the way out because then they'll lose their, they'll lose their access to him. Or, or 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 not be in the room when he makes these statements and then they don't make the ad dollars because the ads are like the advertisers are like well this other network already has the exclusive footage you weren't in the room because you said he was dumb to his face and now he banned you from all press right. so it is it is it's that's capitalism that yeah. is a microcosm of capitalism sure. and you know that what i want to make sure that we do say is that people don't understand that beyond this point this is not about politics. This is about the survival of the people of the United States, right? Because we were guaranteed something by this constitution that has not been given to us, right? So when we sit here and have these conversations and people get turned off because they think you hate Donald Trump, I think Donald Trump is the biggest puppet of the game, right? Because Mitch McConnell and and Barr are far more dangerous than Donald Trump because they actually, I mean, how, how, in the, how is Mitch McConnell still in office? You understand? And this is why I am exactly so money, right? So when I get motivated, I get motivated because like, and, and I've been making a campaign everywhere I go. I was on the breakfast club this morning and I was like, look, I, I call to every blood and every crib to use your arms to walk black people to the voting polls, right? Yes. No I reason love why. That. Oh my George, God. <laughs> that's what you used to be, you should be using that for, right? That's where it all started. And they took it away from us so that they can weaponize us against each other because that's where it started. The Black Panthers were feeding children. Mm -hmm. And all of the information has always been handed wrong because you're radical when you demand what it should be rightfully yours. So this is not about. Donald Trump and that administration, because truth be told with us, with people of color, when people are like, we trying to go back to way the way things used to be. When exactly what was good for us ever in the history of America? Where do you want to go back to? The First Nations people don't agree with you. Asian people don't agree with you. Black people for sure don't agree with you. And immigrants, the new immigrants don't believe it with you. So I'm not trying to go backwards. So when people ask me, why are you a progressive? It's because mm -hmm. I'm trying to move forward. Yep. I'm trying to take it forward. And I think it's just important for us to have these conversations also about solutions. So can socialism be a part of rebuilding our economy? It's got to be. Absolutely. Or, or we are over. I mean, look, if, if people aren't going to give the, get the sustenance that they need in order to survive this pandemic, it's gonna be it's gonna be a wrap. I mean, I believe that Mad Max can be a reality. I believe that the the you know the 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 end of days can be a reality if we don't get this together. People like I I'm not I'm not so certain that they're gonna be white people who are gonna be cool with living outdoors in large amounts because they now they got the they got the postponement of their rent or their mortgage and now a balloon payment's due three months from now and they gotta pay it all to get out. I don't think they're gonna take this one, so they're gonna have yeah. to make some moves towards socialism if they want to yeah. survive this. 
Um, I'm so glad that you said Mad Max. I, I got my seed. I ordered my seed. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> if you've never seen a movie, you don't know what I'm talking about. But I got a whole bag of seeds. So, yes, you got to start planting so you can have sustenance because we don't know what the hell is going to happen with our agricultural infrastructure. And I do believe that socialism can be a, a part of the a part of the answer to help remedy the problems that we have in America. I think we have to stop being for self and just have a basic human understanding and em empathy for our neighbors and want us all to have the same thing. And instead of fighting to go back to work, you should be saying, why is the government not properly subsidizing my family so I don't have to go back to work? It's so well, why are they giving me the equipment so I can go back to work and not come back exactly. home and kill grandma? Exactly. Right. exactly. All, the, all the above. It's like, you know, we had this argument a couple of months ago about people getting $15 an hour. And now there's those same people who are working those jobs who you're calling them essential workers. So we got to think about like the, the mental gymnastics we do to, to remedy all of the the nonsense that we're force fed. Yeah. I just want to say, you know, the finger game, you know, where you like hold up your finger and you're like, you, someone looks at it or whatever. That's what socialism is to me. It's like, we're told not to look at the finger and we're all like, what is it? <laughs> this is a very ridiculous metaphor. The point is, is that you suppress something long enough, you suppress workers long enough and we're going to take an interest. Like, oh, hey, what do you say? Denmark's putting everyone on a federal payroll. They're all going to have their jobs back mm -hmm. when this is over. Hmm. Like, we're not stupid. We live, we have the internet. We can Google stuff. You can't keep us ignorant for that long. Um, and I absolutely that so th think that socialism has a role to play. I think that also anti-racist socialist um, movements that are deeply rooted uh, in communities of color and specifically taking cues from black communities uh, is, is definitely the future of how we're going to make change. Also, uh, Taking cues from black communities, man. Not with our misleadership class. We got to get beyond these people, these token Negroes that get payoffs, sure. get get big checks, and then go out and lie to get to stand in front of the camera and lie, do the do the Jim Clyburn, get us all go line up behind Joe Biden, the pro-segregationists, and then we all just <laughs> fall in line because that's the thing to do. That's or right. even Diddy, who now all of a sudden wants to get involved. We needed you about six months ago, homie. We need to be voting in them damn primaries so we get a better selection at this point. So, yes. yeah, misleadership is a real thing. And just because they got black skin, I don't know. Sure, um, sure, know, yes. The skin uh, folk don't make them kin folk. There you go. I agree. And the other thing is, yeah, when we talk about that stuff, we start talking about elections. We only want to get involved on the national stage because it brings us attention because we have, we have such a, a celebrity worship problem in this country mm -hmm. that everything's become romanticized. It, you know, politics is Hollywood. But what I'm, what we need to talk. I don't give a damn about a Republican. I don't give a damn about a Democrat. I give a, I give a damn about a public official that gets on the ground and fights for the people. And so when we talk about Ahmad Aubrey and we talk about George Zimmerman, you don't just get around and tell people to vote in November every four years. You got to talk about who's your sheriff, who is the superintendent at the schools, and making sure your kids have a good lunch and are not being charged for their lunches. You got to make sure that you have to think about it in your with within your own habitat. And so for me, that's what drives me. I don't I don't care about any of those people. You show me a politician who's not getting a check and I'll show you somebody who only gets one side eye. Right. That's it. Right. Because I don't trust it. And so I want to thank you all for being here. I want to tell you. Thank you. We, you got to come back because we got to keep having these conversations. Uh, but I, I want each of you to just I would like to end where you give a short uh, answer to this. But I just want to know. If you thought we where we where do we begin in terms of solution because we want to always be solution driven, how do we start 
to to resolve the this bleeding capitalistic issue that's hurting our people, which bleeds into the justice system, education, and everything else. Where do we begin? So um, I'll start with you, Francesca. I mean, I think you did name it, but I do believe it is local, right? Especially now, we can't go anywhere. No one's taking big trips. Um, it's about, you know, getting involved in your neighborhood. Like, what's going on? Your your neighborhood council, your tenants' rights union, or can people afford to pay, you know, their rent this month? It's a rent strike. So I think there's a, a lot more going on in your neighborhood. And I know it sucks to have to meet your neighbors. Do it. Um, and And I think little by little, getting offline and doing something in the real world is just good for the soul and is good for changing this country. Tim? Uh, I believe that we're doing it right now. We're getting together and we're talking and we're sharing information. I think media is the driving force, man. Every, every stupid idea a person has can be countered with information, <laughs> correct, accurate information. I think that's the bridge to get more people involved and to get them out in the streets, like you said. So media, do it. Become the media. Absolutely. I think we need to uphold and support our local businesses, mom and pops, especially during this time as states start, state, start, state start to open up. Um, minimize your Amazon purchases as much as possible. Um, stop using Instacart. If you have two feet and arms, you can go get your own groceries because you're putting someone else's life on the line because you have the comfort of financial security to have someone buy those groceries for you, but they may not have the health insurance to help them when they get sick and they can contaminate their whole family. So it's a way of like, just I feel having more um, individual responsibility and just empathy about other people and not try to complicate other people's life because you just want a moment of convenience. I want to thank you all for being here. I want to thank the viewing audience that is here with us and has been here throughout the show. Listen, this is not about um, an allegiance to a, a fraternity of any sort. Uh, that's what these democratic, the, what these political parties have become. This is about an allegiance to the people and all people, and that means my people and your people too, who are all uh, deserving of having a, a decent life, a decent wage, health care and so on and so forth. So thank you for being here. We're gonna to continue to fight the good fight and make sure where you put your dollars, do not, do not fund your own oppression. Thank you so much for being here on Truth Serum. We will be back next week with Bakari Sellers, Tara Setmeyer and Fernando Villa. And we're gonna be discussing the political party. So I expect you to be 